Welcome to Mirapa Taste Buds. We are your buds, Emily and Melissa. And this is a podcast about food, our daily lives, and how they intersect. Today we are drinking a vodka sour, which is the whiskey sour's less popular cousin. <laughs> she's just as good though. She is good. She's she's tasty. Honestly, we whipped it up pretty quickly. The egg white made it nice and foamy. I don't really know how safe it is. We were talking about the safety of just consuming raw egg. Because they always not supposed to do that, you know? They always warn you not to do it with cookie dough. But at the same time, like, there's, like, pe- like protein workout people that, that are, just, like, like, eat raw eggs. Eating raw eggs <laughs> in their freaking smoothies. So, like, how yeah. bad is it really? We're going to find out for you one day. Today's yeah. not that day. I, don't, I mean, be careful. Yeah. Salmonella is real and scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically my turtle could give that to me, so whatever. Also true. I'm living we on the edge. We can't trace back the, the true origin. Living on the edge. Um, this one, we just tossed a little bit of bitters on the top, uh, a little dehydrated citrus rind for garnish. Really elevates it. It looks so classy. Mm-hmm. Easy favorite. Mm-hmm. I think a whiskey sour is definitely more preferred, but... You think? I don't I, I don't have, like, a strong... Oh, my God. I love reference. a whiskey sour. That's, like, one of my favorite sour. cocktails. So, true. like, this is just, like, a bastardized version. That's true. Whiskey sour, like, is our drink of choice. Yeah. <laughs> I just love whiskey. So, anyway... Today, our topic is Thanksgiving. Woo-hoo! I mean, we have to talk about it, I feel like, just because... It's a holiday of eating, literally. Yeah, solely of eating. So, let's get cooking. Let's get cooking. So, let us go back in time to the first Thanksgiving, all the way back in 1621. What we actually know about the first Thanksgiving is all pretty much from one letter that one guy wrote back Damn. in the December of 1621, a man named Edward Winslow. And just like that, validated for keeping every letter I've ever received. Validated, yes. <laughs> you are history, hon. There, there were, everything else could go away and we would have no idea. So, yeah. yeah Why 2K happens in 3000. <laughs> <laughs> but Edward Winslow was one of the... A hundred or so people that sailed from England aboard the Mayflower and founded Plymouth County in Massachusetts. The first Thanksgiving... I just realized that'd be Y3K. (laughs) (laughs) Someone should write a comic about that. (laughs) Ridiculous. Or I will. Yeah. There you go. You heard it here first. (laughs) You see it out on the shelves. (laughs) Sorry. where i'm like pretty sober so i apologize please continue (laughs) okay back to the story Mm -hmm. transport yourself back in time um but the the first thanksgiving differed from our thanksgiving today it wasn't officially you know one day that was the the fourth thursday in november or whatever the hell it is (laughs) it (laughs) actually took place over the course of three days and was sometime between late september and mid-november And it kind of was considered to be a harvest celebration as well as a celebration of the first colonialist. What's the word I'm trying to say? Colonialist? Colonists? Colonists? Colonists just sound so bad these days. Yeah. (laughs) Colonizer. That's what they were. (laughs) The first colonists. Um, It was also a celebration for them surviving their first year in the new world. Which was a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. Pretty much everybody died. It was a rough winter. (laughs) Yeah, very rough winters. Most of the women and most of the women had really died even before they even got to the New World um, or shortly thereafter. So there were literally only like four married women 
Why in particular and, is that true? Do you know? I'm not really sure why it was the women in particular that all hmm. perished. I I don't really know. I don't know what the I'm logic curious. is behind that. There were a lot of children, obviously, that did too. And children makes more sense to me because you have like a weaker immune system. I feel like those two are also commingling very closely together. So it's like yeah. easier for those two to get each other sick or whatnot too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I, I mean, women back then were having like a million children and like going through wicked childbirth. So I just feel like you yeah. were feeble. <laughs> yeah. That That took a lot out of you. Ruined your body in more ways than one. Yeah, Killed like, you. You just couldn't, Killed you dead. couldn't stand any longer. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just an assumption. But there were about 50 colonists that were believed to have attended, including uh, mostly men, like I had mentioned, those four married women. God. <laughs> and a lot, a lot of children and teenagers were, were really the bulk of the attendees. Hmm. But Plymouth colonists were very largely outnumbered, more than two to one at the event, by their Native American counterparts. There was probably more than 90 Wampanoag men that were there. Hmm. It's kind of unknown why they were there. There's kind of some speculation that maybe they were just like checking in on crops in the area or they were doing their kind of traditional, uh, you know, visits to neighboring groups and and peoples. Um, And there was like some political inclinations, I guess. Yeah. Between the two and, and the Wampanoag and the first colonists had a relationship throughout that year. Um, so they could have just been there to kick it. I don't know. <laughs> or they just like wanted to see what they were doing. Yeah, it's like, oh, these white people. Yeah, let's see. Let's, this could be funny. This could be good. <laughs> let's see what they're going to eat. Let's I'm see. guessing it was more that. <laughs> How are they going to cook these fish? <laughs> but they were there, all in attendance. Um, it was still kind of a feast for giving thanks, although that wasn't really the main reason for it it wasn't the name the name thanksgiving was not attributed to it back then but the english were known for kind of praying before and after every meal um as well as natives were also very uh popular to like offer a prayer or acknowledgement anytime they went hunting or fishing things like that just as a a thank you to the the gods and the ancestors and spiritual people yeah i respect that i mean yeah food is a gift yeah what they ate is vastly different from what we eat today, though. Um, there may have been wild turkey, but it was probably more like other kinds of fowl as well. Um, that's probably the only thing that was really from our traditional feast we have today. Wow. <laughs> I'm surprised by that, but... Yeah, I mean, you'd think that there'd be more, but like honestly, a lot of the foods that we think of today, A, weren't native plants. Yeah, that's so back true. Then, um, or there wasn't the cooking technology to that really you would bring need to really to... make it to life. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. It was really the, the fowl was like the only commonality, it seemed like. But instead of like bread based stuffing, too, they really had just like herbs and onions or nuts that would have been added to the bird for extra flavor. So there wasn't mm. even really like bread at that time, which is crazy to think about, like flour and all of that. Like, Harder to come ovens by. Ovens didn't exist. Yeah, yet. no, I, that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> I was like, wow. So like it was just way not possible in this world and time. But I mean, bread existed. That's crazy. I mean, bread I guess, existed, but it was just so much work. And yeah. for these colonists that were like dying. Yeah, they second, like have like log cabins yeah. with like small. They yeah, couldn't quite okay. figure it out and, and get it Yeah, working. no one's built a giant bakery with a bread oven yet. Got exactly. it. Exactly. 
but they actually probably ate a lot of venison. It said that like a lot mm. of the Wampanoag men had like killed six deer or something ridiculous. It was like a lot of deer. Um, shellfish and fish were also really popular to the area. So that was uh, definitely on the table. And mm. it, it said that the colonists occasionally would serve mussels with curds, like a dairy oh. product with a similar consistency to cottage cheese. Um, mussels with curds? Sounds gross to me. But, I am not I mean, that sure. sounds like a lot of like, Slimy thing. Don't going make that, that motion that you were. I can't. <laughs> you know? Um, that tr- slides mm. down the throat, coats the throat. That makes me want to gag thinking about it a little bit. <laughs> That's how muscles make me feel. I like muscles. Muscles are good, but cottage cheese? Yeah. With that? Ugh. Cottage cheese doesn't go with anything in my mind, so to put it with that is... How do you attractively plate that in any way that could possibly look appetizing also? Girl, the plating. I don't know about I'm just the saying. Like back these then. pilgrims must have been... <laughs> Mani- maniacs. All right, continue. <laughs> <laughs> but lobster, bass, clams, oysters, that all could have been very much part of the feast back then. Mm, lobster. As far as vegetables go, cabbage, carrots, cucumbers, leeks, lettuce, parsnips, and pumpkins were all pretty popular, as well as several native plants, like things like Jerusalem artichokes, which I'm not sure what that is. Um, Garlic, cranberries, obviously, were very big. Um, Concord grapes, Mm. walnuts, and chestnuts, all things that were probably on the table. While corn was super plentiful at this time and at the first harvest, it also is, wasn't really like enjoyed in the same way that we would think of it now. Um, it definitely was not served on the cob, and they would turn it into cornmeal, and it would be then boiled and pounded into this thick corn mush or porridge <laughs> that would then occasionally be sweetened with molasses. Hmm. So I think that would be an interesting thing to like try because yeah, try to kind of replicate yeah, like a something. weird corn cake. I don't yeah, know. it's interesting. There are also probably some fruits on the table that were indigenous to the region, like blueberries, plums, grapes, gooseberries, raspberries, and those cranberries that everybody just loved. Native Americans (laughs) would also use those as a natural dye often, too. But there were things that just definitely were not there, like potatoes, which I thought, I like, I don't know, I I always think that potatoes are everywhere, right? And like that that would always kind of be on the table, but... Potatoes are not native to North America, first of all. They're native to South America, and they really just weren't available at that time. It was really hard to get them um, from, like, the Spanish and get them traded up there and all that and stuff. I mean, it's far away when you think about that back then. Yeah, and it really just, like, hadn't taken off yet in, like, Europe and everywhere even, um, which is weird to think of because, like, it's a potato. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, it just wasn't popular. So they did not have potatoes yet. That was not a thing on the table. Um, There also wouldn't have been like a sweet cranberry sauce or anything that was really like sweetened because they had ran through all their rations pretty much at that point that they had brought from Europe. So there wasn't like sugar um, and things like that. So things that used to be like such a or that are not like a luxury now. It's like so crazy to think about that time period. Absolutely. Just puts it in perspective, like how far we have come and how much the world has changed. Mm -hmm. Now there's things at a drop of a hat. It's like, you're not waiting on anything. Yeah. No, you can get it delivered to your house in an hour. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even know what is native to me. Yeah. No, because (laughs) everything's been so Mm -hmm. interwoven. 
Um, and then obviously things like pumpkin pie or any kind of pie really wouldn't have been possible. Um, they didn't have butter. They didn't have flour. They didn't have ovens. So none of those things could have been possible. Hmm. However, while there wasn't pumpkin pie, they did say that English settlers would improvise by hollowing out pumpkins and filling the shells with milk, honey, and spices to make what? this like custard. And then they'd roast the gourds while um, like over hot ashes. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I was like, hmm. it sounded kind of good. It I, does. I'd be into it. Yeah, um, I would definitely try it. Yeah. But interesting. Like how you still have to have something sweet, too. It's like dessert must live on. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope one day we can create a feast that is like trying to replicate the first Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving It'd be really fun. Like it some weird really corn fun. cakes. Yeah. Some weird whole corn pumpkin porch. custard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some random fowls and Definitely shellfish. Definitely some oysters and some lobster. I can get yeah. those things. <laughs> yeah. That would be really fun. Quite a feast it would be. There's... Yeah. It's just different. It's still like a million foods. Well, like trying to not <laughs> use like ovens, like literally using like open mm -hmm. hearth cooking. Like yeah. that whole process would be crazy to try to replicate some of the stuff and like make it good. Can't even imagine. <laughs> and I can't even imagine like on the scale that they were cooking, like that was a lot of people to cook for. You're talking like 200 people? Yeah, 200 people. And basically. without ovens, yeah. you're cooking all this meat. There's apparently yeah, like multiple deers, the yeah. you know, like this is, that's a lot. <laughs> I see why it took three days. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, I mean, shit, it takes three days now. <laughs> yeah, legit. And there was only four women back then. So literally one of the articles was like, who was doing all the cooking? You oh, know? Lord. And it's like, it was probably all the children and yeah, all the servants and whatever else, you know? But yeah, pretty wild to think about. We don't really know if they repeated any similar ceremonies in subsequent years, but there was kind of this tradition of like giving thanks to God and and. Um, fall harvest traditions that really solidified, I think, throughout the nation and, and the new country and the new world um, after this point. But it really wasn't until um, the 19th century that this man Winslow's letter kind of became famous because it was put into this book from this other guy. And then this woman named Sarah Josepha Hale was really like campaigning to get Thanksgiving turned into a, a legitimate national holiday as a way to kind of like unite the nation during the Civil War. Um, and it actually worked because President Lincoln proclaimed Thanksgiving as a national holiday in 1863, which is wild. That is pretty freaking nuts. <laughs> I mean, the meal today, obviously, Americans consume between 2,500 and 4,500 calories at the Thanksgiving table. Insanity. It's disturbing because it's actually equivalent to eating between four and eight Big Macs in a single sitting. Eight Big Macs is so gay. I don't even know how that's possible. Like, like Four is like disgusting, disgusting. and unfathomable Two is me. like a little bit a lot. Yeah. Two is like a lot, but it's like, okay, maybe you were hungry. Maybe. Yeah, maybe you were hungry. Three is like, you're pushing it, son. Yeah, you're Four not going to be like, well. You are, are you in an eating contest? Like, what are we achieving here? And eight, I just cannot imagine. But yeah. Oof. It's rough. It's truly a holiday of eating. Yeah. The food with the most calories is none other than our beloved pecan pie. Which I thought was interesting. Um, I never, I don't, we don't even really eat that one. So we don't always. Touching a bullet there. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, my God. It's sugary. It is. I mean, it's like, it feels like it's like all butter, I feel like. Yeah, too, so all I feel butter. Like I kind of understand why. Mm -hmm. but 100%. 
Yeah. Americans also consume around 736 million pounds of turkey on Thanksgiving Day alone, which is about the weight of the Empire State Building. Can you even believe that? (laughs) No. I can't believe that. I don't want to believe that. Picturing in my mind that amount of dead turkeys the size of the Empire State Building is haunting. It's definitely haunting. Haunting. Vegans everywhere just rolling. Yeah. Mm. That's a lot. So sorry. Mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) Poor turkeys. Yeah. Turkey often gets blamed a lot because it contains tryptophan, which is an amino acid that can have a somnolent effect. In other words, it makes you sleepy, supposedly. Yeah. But... It's actually suggested that it's really the carbohydrate-rich sides and the desserts that allow the tryptophan to enter the brain. So it's not just the turkey's fault. It's really the turkey with all all the other trimmings, (laughs) all the other sides that really give you that comatose Mm. feeling. The itis. Yeah, it's definitely the sheer volume of what you're putting into your body. Oh, 100%. The one poor It's like a three-hour meal that you literally eat like a – giant plates worth of food and more yeah and then dessert and then dessert. and there was and there was appetizers before, <laughs> before that because that. it wasn't enough <laughs> and you're taking to goes yeah we're disturbed yeah <laughs> yeah ham is actually the second most popular meat of the day i was trying to think if we've ever had ham at ours i don't we have think never that had we ham have. at ours it's absolutely not, not. and yeah. i would love to know who is eating ham because i have never met a single person that i feel like has eaten ham on thanksgiving i feel like i knew someone that they did like both like a ham and a turkey that i don't know who extra excessive my god i mean i guess most people are making like two turkeys or yeah. whatever anyways i mean why not it's I don't decadent know. that just seems like a lot it is a lot it's a lot yeah but I do like ham, so maybe it'd be nice. Yeah, I used to I used to like the ham. <laughs> Back in the day. Back in the day, yeah. She has a hard time admitting it now. <laughs> I, I do. I feel like oddly guilty about admitting I liked meat. And it's like, why? It's like, it's not like it's bad tasting. It's just bad for the planet. Yeah, yeah. Wait, the way we do it. The way we do it, yeah. It doesn't do have it. to be. The way yeah. that it was at yeah. the first Thanksgiving, probably exactly. not that bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but another... Thanksgiving classic is, of course, green bean casserole. Oh, God, yeah. Which was actually invented by a Campbell's Soup employee. Of course it was. Of course it was. Marketing baby. Mm -hmm. There was a Campbell's Test Kitchen supervisor named Dorcas Riley. Dorcas. Best freaking name ever. Yeah. And she was responsible for developing recipes that went on the back of soup cans in the 1950s. Fun job. Her most successful dish was the green bean bake or the mm-hmm. green bean casserole, as it later became to be known. And it featured condensed cream of mushroom soup as one of the six ingredients. Hmm. And the, that's why it was kind of so popular. It was like it was only six ingredients, very easy to prepare. Does hers have the crispy onions on top? Yes. All right. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if that's one of the six ingredients, actually. I was like, what are the six? I, we probably should find yeah, that probably out. Yeah, probably should find that out. Shit. But... Yeah, it's a solid recipe. Literally, home cooks are still making the original recipe to this day. So, must have been solid. <laughs> yeah, it's a winner. Campbell's um, also th- this like per ugh. Campbell's makes forty percent of its total sales of cream of mushroom soup for the year leading up to Thanksgiving. Forty um, percent. Yeah, which is just crazy. So most of that is really because of the green bean casserole. That's hilarious. That's really funny. So you talked a little bit about how mashed potatoes are not native to North America and they're really more of like a South America thing, mm-hmm. which is funny because I always kind of assumed that they were just like an Irish thing. 
my yeah. brain just I think a lot of like... people do. I think I did until I literally went to Bolivia and they're like, yeah, it's the home of potatoes. We got thousands of potatoes. I was like, what do you mean you have thousands of potatoes? Yeah. But they again. do. There's purple potatoes. There's black potatoes. There's all these kind of crazy things. So, yeah. Bolivia, wow. heartland of potatoes. <laughs> but I guess sweet potatoes... True potatoes like russets are members of the nightshade botanical family, while sweet potatoes belong to the morning glory family, which like those two things also, I've never really thought deeply enough into potatoes, clearly. I find it crazy. I mean, I think there's always such a connotation about the nightshade family that's like, it's poison. Yeah. So like to hear that it's part of that is like, uh, clearly I know nothing about this. Yeah, (laughs) some are totally fine. (laughs) Yeah. And I should probably do more research. Um, but yeah, I mean, and even like sweet potatoes being a part of the morning glory family, I feel like it makes sense because I, f- I think I've seen like what their their flowers look like and it mm-hmm. is very, very similar to totally. the morning glory. But yeah. I just never thought about it. Yeah, I did not connect the dots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But sweet potatoes are not yams. These are two different things, people. Yeah, this is still something that people... It still trips me up a little bit now and again because people... Do it wrong. And I'm like, all the time. Wait, so what, yeah, what yeah. am I consuming? They'll label them wrong even at the supermarket. Yes, all the time. And I'm like, it's a sweet potato. Anything we're pretty much eating in the North Ameri- in North America is a sweet potato. Yeah. Like, unless you're in Africa, it's Correct. probably a sweet potato. That show High on the Hog on Netflix <laughs> really yeah. highlighted that. Hands are freaking yeah. massive. They're, They're like huge. The like size an size of your leg. arm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> elephant's leg. <laughs> Did I exaggerate? Maybe. <laughs> But really, they're definitely huge. Yes, they're massive. They're a totally different color. They're usually more um, like white or yellowish on the inside versus a sweet potato is like that kind of bright orange. Um, Yeah, and yams are actually related to lilies and grasses and mostly grow in tropical environments. So you're not really going to get that here. Here, yeah. It's just (laughs) not in this environment at all. But it's so confusing because most people on Thanksgiving eat what they call candied yams, which is actually sweet potatoes. Yeah. Would you like to use it interchangeably? Yeah. It's not. Stop doing (laughs) it. Stop doing it. Watch the high on the hog episode if you're still confused. (laughs) Yeah. When you you see them, you'll know. Yeah. Um, But pumpkin pie is another interesting thing because most often canned pumpkin is not even real pumpkin. Yeah. I was shocked when I learned that. Like, like I was Libby's, horrified. That brand you Libby's. told that to me, and I literally was like, "What do you mean? Yeah, what are we? What are we eating? What are we buying?" <laughs> yeah, the the most popular brand I feel like that I always see is like that Libby's canned pumpkin or whatever, mm. and it is a different kind of squash that's actually a little bit sweeter than pumpkin is, um, and I guess it's a similar enough like squash variety that the FDA doesn't feel like they have to call it what it is. I feel lied to. Yeah. I think it's a little shady. Also FDA, stop it. It just really downplays like, or like eliminates the validity of the FDA to me in my mind. Oh, a hundred percent. They're just making up whatever they want. They're just like, yeah, sure. Call it whatever you want. It's close enough. They're the ones probably spreading this yam sweet potato. Yeah, they probably (laughs) are. They're like, same thing. (laughs) Potato, potato. Freaking bastards. (laughs) Yam, sweet potato, same thing. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't trust them very much. Yeah, some ain't right. (laughs) But it is just as good. I mean, it's another, it's not like it's like not real. It's just a different kind of squash. I don't know. Yeah, at least it's at least it's still legitimate in that, right? I guess. Yeah. But like, I don't. 
I think you should still have to call something what it is. Call it what it is. I don't know. Yeah. And like, I kind of want to know like what kind of squash I'm eating. Just like, just tell me. Maybe I'm trying to make something else with it and I'd like to know for realsies or I want to grow it or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to grow it. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Let's go with that. What is the advantage of calling it pumpkin when it's not? (laughs) But pumpkin pie is the most popular type of pie, which I know you're a pretty big pumpkin fan. Yeah. Pumpkin all the way. I like it. We've had this debate, I feel like. But yeah. yeah, Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin cheese pie specifically, I feel like, is supreme. It's decadent. It's better than just pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really a big pecan pie. Pecan, pecan, pecan. Yeah. Not one of those. But I love it. It's really good. I haven't I'd... had like one in a long time. So I guess like I can't knock yeah, it until I try it try again. Try it again. Yeah. It's time. Your time. Time's due. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also quite a debate about dressing and stuffing. Um, yeah it's another one that's like what is what and there there is technically a difference where like stuffing is said to be actually stuffed in the bird and cooked while uh cooked with it versus seems fair yeah dressing is served on the side and cooked separately makes sense dressing you also can like you know avoid the risk of salmonella and, and whatever yeah. if you don't cook and your the internal temperatures properly. don't so, get up to that yeah. yeah so that's a good perk to it for sure um i don't know if i've ever like had a real preference either way i feel like i actually do prefer dressing though because stuffing gets just like too mushy it is very mushy i honestly used to love stuffing though i also just don't like the word dressing yeah i'll agree with that it's weird it's weird it's very weird. Don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> Apparently, it is a bit of a regional thing oh. where more people in the South generally call it dressing, while people in like the northern and western states call it uh, stuffing. stuffing. Mm, that's interesting. Which is fairly accurate, I would say, because I yeah. say stuffing. So yeah, I didn't really know that it was separate until years ago. Totally. It's kind of a bummer as like a vegetarian when there is only stuffing and it really has been stuffed inside the bird and you can't have it and you're like, oh. Yeah. Because dressing, sometimes those things are vegetarian and I can still imbibe and enjoy. So that's the one thing that like is like, ugh. Yeah, that's a good point. Dressing, I guess, is better yeah. for the masses. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> easier than for people to are, you know, not taking part in the meats to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> also, don't use those words interchangeably if they're not. Because it's like, wait. Yeah, don't this, trip people up now. a bird? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you put vegetarian? it in there or not? <laughs> yeah, I need to know. <laughs> Where's this been? <laughs> Where's this been? <laughs> in this filthy fowl or what? Oh, so real. Uh, mac and cheese is also supposedly a popular side, but we've never really had it at our No, we were debating about doing it this year, but to be honest, it just seems so heavy compared to everything else that's on the plate, too. It's like, do you really need noodles and cheese? It just seems like, oh my God, kind of a lot. But I love mac and cheese, so I'm like, I debated very hard back and forth. Because it's delicious. Who doesn't love it? And it's vegetarian usually. So it's like, great. (laughs) I can eat it. But yeah, it's it's a lot. Seems aggressive. There's just so much on the table. And that is just a heavy dish. A heavy dish. But I will take those leftovers home with me. So like, maybe do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's a hard debate. (laughs) I've heard of turduckins, which... I mean, I feel like this is kind of more of a a newer thing, but I guess it goes back kind of far, which is pretty wild. So it may seem kind of like a modern Thanksgiving monstrosity, but its origins actually predate the current version of the holiday. So 
1774 book, The Art of Cookery, contains the earliest known instructions for cooking a bird within a bird. <laughs> but instead of a chicken and a duck inside of a turkey, the recipe calls for a pigeon, partridge, fowl, and goose to all be stuffed inside of a turkey. Mm-hmm. Which is slightly horrifying, maybe. I don't know. It's like bird inception. Bird inception. I think it's a little weird. <laughs> I've never had a turducken, to be fair, but like, is it necessary? That's where I feel like is. I think it is a monstrosity in my opinion. It's like, why? <laughs> why? Why would we ever Plus, do like, this? like, how do they all get cooked right? right? How long does it have to cook for? Forever, I feel like. So long. Yeah, it's a, that's a low and slow process, oh, I'd imagine. I can't even imagine fitting all those things inside of a turkey. A pigeon, also, a like, partridge, a fowl, and the goose. act of having to actively do that, like shove a duck Ew. inside of a chicken, inside of a turkey, like, no. Can you imagine? I hate just cleaning out the gizzards and the oh innards and stuff. I feel ill. Like, truly <laughs> jamming that into oh. each other just isn't right. And no. whoever thought of this is disturbed. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to know more about them. Yeah. So, <laughs> Very Frankenstein. I'm sure it's delicious because all things like that are, but dang. Yeah. And then there's, of course, the beloved cranberry sauce. So... This was actually, I thought was interesting. So Ocean Spray perfectly kind of designed the can by making it like packaged so that the rounded end of the can is up top and the sharper rimmed edge is at the bottom, which is the opposite of what most can products are like. So this design makes it so that there's an air bubble vacuum at the top of the can. So when you remove the bottom panel and loosen the contents with a knife, the air bubble gently pushes the cranberry sauce out of the can and onto your plate. Hmm. So when you're actually when you're serving it for Thanksgiving, you should actually open it upside down for the best results. I, I like, don't think I, I don't think I ever knew that. Knew that. I also why wouldn't you just like relabel it the other way then too, so people <laughs> know that that's yeah, the way but isn't you it because it's been. It. Sitting also upright, that the top the air bubble would remain up there. Because if you flipped it the other way and it sat for long enough the other direction, wouldn't the air bubble then be crushed by the? It would slide down and like. Girl, crush I it. don't know. That sounds like physics. This is some physics with some cranberries. <laughs> I think it's because of the way the can is like rimmed and edged, though. Like one literally? edge is literally like rounded versus. I'm gonna the have other to look at that. Yeah, sure. we're gonna have to inspect further. But that's what they claim. <laughs> But Americans consume a lot of cranberries, 80 million pounds of cranberries during Thanksgiving, including 5,062,500 gallons of jellied cranberry, which is enough to fill nearly eight Olympic-sized swimming pools. That is insanity. Woof. That's a lot of <laughs> canned yeah. cranberries. I'm not even really a big canned cranberry fan. No. We... Um, we usually do have that on our table, but we also usually make this cranberry serrano relish that yes. Emily found like a few years ago. It is a Bobby Flay recipe that I have committed to probably for life. It is it heavenly. It is fire. Yeah. I don't think... It is also spicy. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, is, it literally literally fire. is fire. <laughs> but it's probably my favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal. It is such a good like burst of like flavor and brightness and yes. like sugary, spicy. And spice. Yeah. We normally yeah. never really have spice on the table with mm-hmm. Thanksgiving because it's all just like creamy, cheesy, yeah, heavy. Yeah. It cuts through mm-hmm. the other stuff and it, it is really delicious. And like 
honestly, on a Thanksgiving like sandwich or leftover, like leftover sandwich, thing, it is there perfect. is nothing greater. Yeah, so it has honey in it. Um, you use whole cranberries and you kind of like cook them down. Add some sugar, some honey. Uh, the serrano obviously goes in there. There's a bunch of red onion. Um, a bunch of cilantro gets added with kind of like once it cools down, but it also has like the pop of like that really bright color. And then there's some like pop of green in there with the cilantro. It is a winner. Yeah. I almost changed it up this year for like a, a bourbon orange spice, like cranberry thing. But then I was like, nah, I can't no. do it. Last minute. It's I failed. Good. Yeah. I didn't want to do it. You're <laughs> always a little disappointed when you like don't have that thing, you know? Yeah. That's I would have to see why both. these dishes did become as ingrained in our culture and like traditional as they are is quintessential some of them are so freaking good like yeah mashed potatoes how can you not love mashed potatoes and gravy yeah you know like mac and cheese freaking phenomenal yeah these are those are really like regular ones that i get more often i feel like but like some of the things like the candied sweet potatoes like with our mom puts marshmallows on top and like gets them kind of like brown and like melty like i only have that once a year and it's thanksgiving yeah same with the cranberry serrano relish like i only have that once a year and it's amazing and it's thanksgiving yeah so there's just a couple of things even like stuffing how often do you eat stuffing or dressing yeah like that's not really a thing i've ever had it yeah i'm trying to think if i've had it another time (laughs) it's like why would you i don't know it's like such a random thing. It is a really random thing. But then I have all these recipes that I've saved that I'm like, I never make on Thanksgiving that I'm like, oh, I should make this. <laughs> no, <laughs> guess we got to eat more dressing in our life. Yeah. Yeah. Might need to. <laughs> so there's actually a bunch of regional differences, which are really cool to kind of look at because we're obviously used to a more Midwestern thing. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was funny too, because the Midwest the like top four things that are most common in the Midwest to eat on Thanksgiving are deviled eggs, chicken, mashed potatoes, and jello. Why is chicken? I don't know why chicken is. I think that one thanks a lie. Is crazy and y'all are disturbed. But Yeah. Why? No. Jello is a hundred percent something that we always always had on Thanksgiving. Our family's big into it. Obviously our grandma came up in like the height of the jello craze and really passed that on to our aunt. And pass that down to our sister. And it is something that we, our family will probably never let die. No. So not. Jello will be there. There yeah, will be a Jello Until they don't make it anymore. <laughs> yeah, until they don't. Until gelatin goes the way. That's, yeah, everything else. But it's interesting because the Northeast, it says fruit salad, beans and rice, rice, broccoli, soup, Mixed vegetables and salad are like super popular, obviously. Beans and rice kind of surprises me. That surprises me too for the Northeast. Why? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's random. The other things might go okay. Yeah. (laughs) The South, it was turnips, turnip greens, stuffing or dressing, macaroni and cheese, collard greens, and broccoli casserole. Oh, all of that sounds fuego. Yeah, collard greens, mac and cheese. I'm in for all of these It's basically things. like southern cooking. Yes. I'm not really familiar with much of turnips and turnip greens, but. Yeah, I feel like I like turnips, though. Those are the things that are like carrots. Or then no, it's a parsnip. That's a parsnip. Ooh. Dang, I always confuse it. Turnips like a beet, but white. Right? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you I'm not familiar. <laughs> We'll have to get uh, some turnips and turnip dressing, turnip greens, turnip. (laughs) We're going to try some turnips. Turn up. (laughs) Turn it up. Turn down for what? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the West has also really got my heart. 
um, tamales, glazed carrots, soup, beef, nah. But tofu, yes. <laughs> I'm here for the tamales. You can miss me with the rest. Glazed carrots? Glazed carrots are all right. They're little... Bitch, I just made those for your dinner the other night and you raved about them. And they're good, but like, I'm not trying to eat them that often. And like, on okay. a Thanksgiving right. meal? I okay. don't know. Okay. I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I like the, like, mixture of all these things. There's, like, something I'd pull from each one of them, and then, yeah. Yeah, love to yeah. incorporate. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody's got their own things. All delicious. Yeah, all good. It's also interesting to see, like, where regionally cranberries kind of varies. Like, mm-hmm. in particular states, you're more prone to having, like, fresh cranberries than canned cranberry sauce. Um, it feels like a lot of the South is big on the canned cranberry sauce, which I'm not yeah. that surprised by. No, I'm not either. But like Iowa is like fresh cranberries all the way, which is really random. I am completely flabbergasted by that response. Are there like a lot of cranberries there? Is that where all the bogs are at? I don't think. <laughs> I don't think. Where that... you at Ocean Spray? Yeah. I mean, our dad <laughs> used to work for Ocean Spray, so I'm going to bring this up at the holidays and ask him about it. But yeah. Did Iowa sell a lot of cranberries? Did you have a lot of bogs there? Um, <laughs> the back people in the 80s. need to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that doesn't seem right. I mean, South Dakota also is like pretty big on the fresh cranberries and Nebraska, like fairly. Like, I'm surprised by both of those. Yeah. I would have thought that they'd be like canned all the way. I'm surprised that it's heavily canned in like the Northeast. Yeah. I'm like, these people seem like they'd be liking some fresh stuff. No. I don't know. Those They're, people are like, they haven't evolved in there. I guess yeah. that's true. It's like, it's tradition. It's you tradi- don't break tradition. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. That's East Coast. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's East Coast. <laughs> but yeah, Mississippi is eating more canned cranberry sauce than any other state. Not surprised. That seems accurate. <laughs> I thought Alabama seems right behind accurate. it. Yep, that seems right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. Yeah, I'm sorry. That sounded like it, but. <laughs> It wasn't. <laughs> uh, the other great thing about Thanksgiving is Friendsgiving. Fuck yeah. Which is honestly almost a bigger holiday these days than Thanksgiving. Yeah, you got usually like multiple Friendsgivings that yeah. have to happen. It's like, here's my work Friendsgiving. I was just going to say. My, you know, friends from high school. And, and this is my gal's Friendsgiving. Yeah. <laughs> like, we all do all girls. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. There's just so many different versions and offshoots nowadays that have really taken over i think it's become a lot more popular because it is just like so much more low stress and mm. it can happen anytime leading up to the holidays or after i've had ones that were in between uh thanksgiving and christmas even yeah um and i mean it, it's really been a term that's been floating around even before 2007 but it really started gaining some traction even on twitter which tells you it was 2007 <laughs> the um, height yes but it was actually just added to the merriam webster dictionary in 2020 so it's a recent wow. kind of addition That's so recent i know even sleeping on it yeah webster yeah this clearly was like the word of the year in like 2009 you mm-hmm. literally missed your window but I always feel that way, though. They're like, these words just became added to the dictionary. I'm like, this was like five years ago. Yeah, popular. Yeah. <laughs> we got to talk to those dictionary people. Yeah, they're slow on the uptake. <laughs> yeah, they really are. <laughs> but it's often super popular with obviously now with millennials in particular, of course. Um, it's great for people that don't go home always for the holidays or they can't go home. Obviously, friends are usually a little bit closer than sometimes family, sometimes 
emotionally as well. People are sometimes estranged from their families. So they've kind of reclaimed Friendsgiving as their holiday, which mm. is kind of nice. But I feel like it's also sometimes the inverse, like, like you're saying when it's like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, like mm-hmm. so many people come home for the holidays. Like yeah. a lot of students and stuff are now like on break and whatever. True. So they go home and it's like, oh, we can, let's have a Friendsgiving thing together and because I'm in town. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like a reason to kind of get the, get the gang. Exactly. Yeah. Get the gang together. There were some articles on the internet that were trying to link it back to the show Friends, and I am not going to pick up on that because I think <laughs> that is a little bit belogna. So they basically yeah. said just because they showed in that show them gathering together on the holidays together that that was kind of like the first Friendsgiving, even though... No one ever said or no stated said anything. Like, that's yeah, not... and it's like friends have been gathering on Thanksgiving like pre-them. So pre I just them don't and think. on many other shows, I yeah, would argue. I feel like that probably has happened too. I was just like, I don't think that that's really yeah. where we're going to link that back to. No. <laughs> but it's, it's funny because there was also what kept coming up was a popular ad campaign that Bailey's did in 2011 <laughs> that was referencing Friendsgiving as like – a thing so they really like picked up on it early bailey's was like way ahead of miriam webster dictionary and was like friendsgiving is a word it's a holiday <laughs> people are celebrating it we're using it for our marketing campaign this year genius and i just love that it kept came, coming up when i was researching this because that just made me laugh <laughs> good bailey's is legit yeah good for you bailey's always a good holiday whoever drink. was on your campaign that year they did it well <laughs> um it's usually a potluck style affair where everyone kind of brings something to share and it also relieves a lot of stress on the host so if you've mm-hmm. ever hosted a thanksgiving it is a full-on multiple day you are going to be tired. You've been up till 2 a.m. every night. You've been I cleaning. Just, I don't understand. <sighs> like, literally, we've known so many people that I feel like cook the entire Thanksgiving. A hundred percent. And that is unimaginable. Backbreaking. Unimaginable. Like, literally, Terrible. the turkey alone is like a full If you are hosting, affair. that is the one thing I expect you to be pretty much responsible for is, yeah. the, is the turkey and no, nothing else. Everyone like, else should be on sides. Like, please. What are we doing? Step up our game, people. Yes. Why are we making someone do this? Please help. <laughs> I know. All these poor mothers, I feel like that tried to do it by themselves for so many years, too. Just like, oh, God, mm-hmm. I don't know how you did it. Yeah. But it's also great kind of for people that also have been wanting to host um, for a while. So, like, honestly, a lot of people in our age range who have a home or have a space to do it in, but their family, someone in their family takes over the responsibility, so they never get that chance. Friendsgiving becomes a great opportunity for them to be like, no, I want to be the host. I want to play that role. Like, let's do it in my place. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a nice thing to also have the opportunity to do it. Very fun. Mm-hmm. But they say it's also kind of tied to kind of the change of families and kind of the blending of friends and family and kind of that idea of chosen family. So obviously people are delaying marriage and parenthood and things like that. Um, longer than prior generations. So they tend to spend more time fostering community and kind of choosing to maintain those relationships with their friends. So it becomes more common that it's not just your bloodline that's around the table, which is pretty cool. Something different. Yeah. But what I learned about this day that is probably the coolest thing is that it's a portmanteau. (laughs) which is a word blending the sounds and combining the meanings of two others. So a motel is a motor hotel. 
Brunch is breakfast and lunch. Smog is smoke and fog. So essentially, those are all portmanteaus, <laughs> which I think is like the coolest thing ever to learn a new word. I was like, what the heck is this? Also, a portmanteau, it can also be a large trunk or suitcase typically made of stiff leather and opening into two equal parts. <laughs> so I learned a new word today. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> he also said a podcast is a portmanteau? Yeah, a podcast is because it's technically an iPod and a broadcast. That's how you got the word podcast. Just Who together. knew that that's the origins of what podcasts were? Yes. I definitely never thought of it being iPod. Yeah, that's when they got big. That's when they I mean, blew up. It's when like the first iPods came out. There's all these. Yeah, I don't. It's weird to think it also traces back to that. But yeah, yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Very iPod strange. Broadcast a podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, good new word. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about Friendsgiving is just that it is a. It's a teaser for the main event. So if you have a recipe you're trying out yeah, and you're not sure how it's going to go over at the real Thanksgiving. Then's the time. That's the perfect time to try it and be like, okay, well, this is how it went. This is what I liked. This is what I didn't. This is what I would change. Mm -hmm. Because I've definitely done that with recipes and been like, okay. I mean, I've had to practice a few recipes here this week that (laughs) I had to learn a few things from. But you learned. Yeah. And they're going to be better the next time. They definitely will be better the next time. Absolutely. Yeah, if you're trying to do something ambitious for <laughs> for Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving, mm-hmm. maybe give it a test round before you do yeah. it. Yeah. It's always a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Always a solid, solid idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what my favorite part is. I think just the gathering aspect. I just love mm-hmm. that these holidays have like no other real expectations you know it's not like christmas where you're celebrating maybe some religious thing or yeah like it's a much more like formal affair in our family even you know yeah our parents will still like joke about us going to church and we're like what yeah like and it and it used to be that for, for sure yeah we so, definitely like, always used there's to just go. always this different connotation i think to like christmas or easter or, or something like that mm-hmm. yeah you have to like put on fancier clothes like you put on some stretchy pants on like Thanksgiving. Yes. Like you still look cute, but like you don't you don't get too dressed up that you're going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, you're trying to eat. <laughs> yeah, you came to eat. And like literally <laughs> it's just about like being grateful for for what's happening in your life and where you're at. Yeah, taking and, like, the that time. I think is like a beautiful thing. It's a reflective holiday more so than like one that's yeah, about kind of like gifts or yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Grandiose things like mm-hmm. It's just simple. Yeah, spending time with each other and Mm -hmm. eating and sharing some time around the table. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny because we talked about how it's it's not necessarily our favorite holiday, maybe food wise, but Yeah. Because I mean like you said, a lot of those foods are things that we eat like all the time. Like mashed potatoes I have all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's not something super special always. We eat a lot of sweet potatoes in our house. Yeah. Butternut squash is big here too in the in the season. mm -hmm. So it's like it's things that well, there's a lot of ones that do have their own like special moment on that day. But honestly, it probably is one of my favorite food food holidays just because there are so many options. There's a lot of options. There's so many sides. There's no way I'm not going to get a full plate of food. Yeah. It's pretty much one of the holidays too where I do eat everything on the table mm-hmm. versus there's other holidays we have where I'm like, mm, it's not Yeah, really I'll pass on my that. Jam, yeah. You know? Uh-huh. But yeah, like, I eat that. pretty much every, consistently everything on yeah. that. On that table. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I guess we're, we're under <laughs> valuing it. It's definitely a solid meal 
I think it's just my favorite because it kicks off the holiday season and it just like brings us warmth into these colder months that are just kind of more lonely and solitary. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, it starts with that grateful gratitude thing where it just is like, look at all these people I love. Look yeah, at all this great around stuff. Around this table, everyone like <laughs> slaved over everything here. Yeah. And yeah, you just are, are grateful for what bounty you have. Definitely. I think with that in mind, it's time to cheers. We are coming up on the end of the year, which actually means we only have one more episode to release in 2021 after this one. <laughs> Can I, you I, believe it? We've made it a whole year of podcasting and it's been a lot of fun and we have yeah. a lot more ideas to come. So Hell yeah. that's exciting. But I'm really looking forward to the holidays. I'm really looking forward to doing some traveling and getting to share and eat all those meals with you. So cheers to spending time around the table with the people you love most, trying out some new recipes and getting to experience those old favorites over again and sharing what you're grateful for and just being thankful. So cheers. Cheers. Cheers.